Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, the stars aligned for the Dodgers to get a series sweep of the Cardinals. We're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw and his role in that and talk about Noah Syndergaard and whether there's any upside left there. And we'll talk about the interesting ways that the Dodgers scored on Sunday. All that's coming up. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like us. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Semperio, although it's just me today. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And with that said, I want to apologize for most of my absence last week or for my absence most of last week. I'm apologizing for my entire absence, which covered most of last week. Uh, you can probably tell by listening to me, I'm still not all the way better, but my voice is somewhat back to normal. It's not, uh, I don't sound like a cross between Fozzie Bear and Kermit the Frog anymore. Um, except when I try to by saying, why are there so many? Uh, but unfortunately, for most of the last week, that's what my voice sounded like on its own. Uh, it's still very weak. I'm going to try to get through this episode. It may be a little bit shorter than usual, just a heads up, because I don't know if I have 30 minutes straight of talking uh, in my capability right now. But the Dodgers had a great series this weekend against the Cardinals, uh, and there's plenty to talk about. And so we're going to give it the old college try, do what we can. And the first thing I want to talk about is Clayton Kershaw. You know, the Dodgers won all three games. They won 7-3 to three on Friday. They won one to nothing on Saturday, and they won 6-3 to three on Sunday. And it, it kind of shows you the uh, the quirks of baseball because if the Dodgers' offense of Saturday night had shown up on either Friday or Sunday, the Dodgers would have lost because the only reason the Dodgers won on Saturday is because Clayton Kershaw was dominant and com combined with two relievers on a shutout. And so the one run that they scored on any uh, Austin Barnes single of all things, uh, that was enough to hold up. And the Dodgers got the victory. Uh, one run would not have won either of the other two games, uh, but that's baseball and it worked out and the Dodgers got the sweep. Clayton Kershaw looked so good. Uh, just, it was, it was magical. It was a great, great game. Obviously he's a great pitcher and, uh, we, we always think everybody thinks his, his best years are behind him. And yeah, his best years are behind him. But that doesn't mean the current version isn't still very, very good. And the current version, you know, leads the league in wins and leads the league in innings pitched and uh, has a bunch of strikeouts. He he has leads the league in whip, uh, his career whip, which is walks plus hits per innings pitched, basically short fan, shorthand for runners per inning. His career whip is down below one. For his career, he's averaged less than a base runner per inning. Uh, this year, he's at 0.763. Uh, just, just remarkable. And if you just look at, you know, his first three years in the big leagues before he developed his slider, he was, he was good. He was a very good pitcher, not what he turned into. 
And if you look at from starting in 2011, the year he won his first Cy Young Award, through Saturday night, his career whip is 0.937. Just just remarkable, Uh, especially for a guy who the big knock on him early in his career was he threw too many pitches. He didn't have enough command, walked too many guys. And so his walks per nine in his first three years combined was uh, 4.2. And since then, it is 1.7. Just just remarkable. And obviously, some of that is the time when Kershaw was the best pitcher in baseball, one of the best pitchers in baseball history. But right now, the version that we're getting right now is still very, very good. The Cardinals are the best team in baseball at hitting left-handed pitching. Clayton Kershaw throws left-handed, and they couldn't do a darn thing with him. He had a no-hitter going into the fifth, or actually perfect game going into the fifth, allowed just two hits. Um, just, it was amazing. And you, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know I love Kershaw. He is my favorite player of all time. Uh, this weekend was a good example why. Uh, you know, obviously there's more. To, to have a favorite player, it's not just what he does on the field usually. Uh, you know, to really, really love a guy the way I love Kershaw, there's got to be more to it. And Kershaw is a great human being, you know, awesome person, all that. But he's also a really, really good pitcher, and that's fun, fun to watch. I love that he's played for my favorite team his entire career, and I hope that continues. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he is – his ERA for the season right now sits at 189. And maybe most remarkable, coming into the season, he was 193 strikeouts away from 3,000 for his career. Kershaw hasn't struck out 193 batters in a season since 2015 when he struck out 301. He's come close. In, in 2019, he struck out 189. Uh, oh, no, he did strike out 202 in 2017, sorry. Um, and then 189 in 2019. Last year, struck out 137. The year before that, 144. So based on that, everybody kind of came into the season assuming Kershaw doesn't really have a chance to get to 3,000 this year. Um, and... and he still doesn't unless he stays healthy. That's the thing. He only made 22 starts each of the last two years. If he can stay healthy, though, doing the math, he needs about uh, 22 or, yeah, about 22 more starts this year uh, to get to 3,000 strikeouts. That would be 28 starts. He hasn't made 28 starts in a season uh, in, in since 2019, and that's the only time since 2015. So – he needs to stay, you know, tw- you can make 28 starts and still spend a little time on the injured list, uh, you know, because basically lines up for him to make 32-ish starts over the course of a regular season. So he could miss four starts, still get 28 starts, and have a chance at 3,000 this year. Uh, obviously, I'm hoping he makes all 32 starts and and stays healthy and stays healthy right through October. Uh, but what looked like an, uh, not much of a chance has turned into a legitimate outside chance uh, for Kershaw to get to 3,000 strikeouts this year, which would be awesome. Uh, as you know, if you listen to our preseason predictions episode, one of my predictions was that the Dodgers will win the World Series and Clayton Kershaw will retire. Uh, and obviously, that becomes more likely if he does get to 3,000 strikeouts. If he's sitting on 2,971 strikeouts at the end of the year, he's not going to retire. Uh, I just don't see him walking away, even though for as humble as he is and everything, he's not going to walk away from a chance at 3,000 strikeouts like that. Uh, But if he does get 3,000, it increases those chances. Obviously, I don't want him to retire, but 
what a storybook ending. If he could have a great season, get to 3,000 strikeouts, lead the Dodgers to a World Series title, and then go out on top. Uh, I, it seems fitting of Kershaw. And uh, obviously, I, I like any story that includes the Dodgers winning the World Series, even if it does mean my favorite player retires at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Kershaw is doing is remarkable, and I hope we're all appreciating it. That's mostly what I'm getting at. I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about the other end of the rotation and Noah Syndergaard, who got his first win as a Dodger on Sunday, but also had uh, just the fourth start of his career and the first one that lasted longer than two and a third innings in which he didn't strike anybody out. We can talk about what to expect from Syndergaard and what's going on there. So uh, thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen. And please continue to keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. You've heard me talk about Built Bar on this show many times. I'm not just reading an ad. I love Built Bar. I genuinely love them. Built Bar's Built Puffs. They're such a great snack. They're so delicious and so good for you especially the cookie dough chunk. If I know I got a text the day that it was back. I think it's limited time. Jump on that any chance you get, but there's a lot of delicious flavors. If you've tried them, you know what you like. If you haven't tried them, try them out. You can go down to Walmart or Sam's Club and you can buy a few different flavors, see what you like, and just stock up on those. You can also always go to, uh, to build.com, of course, and you can buy, uh, you know, buy, buy your Built Bars online if that's easier for you. There's so many different ways to get your Built Bar. The key is they are all delicious. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, like 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. How could you get much better than that? So uh, it's a delicious snack that will always curb your hunger, curb your cravings, and make you think, wow, I just did something good. So get your Built Bar either at Sam's Club or Walmart or online at Built.com. And however you get it, just thank me later. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, uh, how much time do you spend on yourself any, any given week? Uh, and how much do you spend on other people? And how do you balance the two? Like that that's something that's always really hard for me as a dad, as a baseball coach, as a podcaster. Uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on other people. And it's easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. And therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And uh, if you're thinking about starting therapy, a really, really good option is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is completely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find more balance. Visit BetterHelp. All right, I am back. I want to thank you all for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, the Dodgers are starting a series with the Phillies today on Monday. And if you aren't able to catch it on TV, remember, a good option is always to check out the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM or the SXM app. All you got to do is break out the SXM app, search for Dodgers, and you can listen to, to Charlie and Rick calling the game. If you're in your car, I, I often find myself running the kids back and forth. And, uh, you know, it's really easy to just pull up 
on your Sirius XM radio. You can pull up uh, the, the Dodger game and listen while you're in your car. I had to do that the other night. I was driving my son to ask a girl to prom, the daughter of a listener of Locked on Dodgers, daughter and granddaughter of listeners to Locked on Dodgers. Uh, and uh, we drove out to Emma's house to to creatively ask her to prom. And while we did, we listened to the game on the radio on Sirius XM because it's so easy to just pull it up. And uh, it's a great way to do that. The Dodgers, like I said, take on the Phillies. Uh, this first game on Monday is on channel 89 on your Sirius XM app. Uh, uh, yeah, Sirius XM. Looks like actually the first two games of the series, both channel 89. That's MLB Network Radio. And then the third game on Wednesday, a day game, is channel 179. Uh, or you can just open the SXM app and ser search for Dodgers. It'll pull it up that way. If you're not an everydayer here at Locked on Dodgers, love if you would uh, add more. If you're watching on YouTube, please comment in the YouTube comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through all the other ways that I will give you at the end of the episode, like I always do. And with all that said, let's jump into our next topic, which is Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard pitched on Sunday. He got his first win as a Dodger. Uh, hard to make too strong of a case that he deserved it. Uh, in all, he pitched five and a third innings. He allowed three earned runs, allowed eight hits, uh, didn't walk anybody, which is nice. Also didn't strike anybody out. Uh, first time in a, a start of any real length in his career that he didn't strike anybody out. And the win is nice. The win is because the offense showed up. Um, and, and he even got a little bit lucky. Like I said, you allow eight hits in five innings. Chances are you're usually going to allow more than three runs. Uh, I feel like he got off a little bit easy, only allowing the three runs. And in the end, like the the Noah Syndergaard experiment, like we, we know that uh, Gavin Stone, if you, I guess we haven't talked about this in the podcast, so I'll talk about it right now. Gavin Stone is reportedly being called up to make his major league debut on Wednesday in the series finale against the Phillies. Uh, and uh, it's kind of an audition for Syndergaard's job in some ways because what we're seeing from Syndergaard, when the Dodgers signed Syndergaard, it was an upside signing. It was, let's see if we can fix Noah Syndergaard. And the fact is, I think we can safely say Noah Syndergaard is not going to throw 100 miles an hour this year. Noah Syndergaard isn't going to throw 96 miles an hour this year. Noah Syndergaard is a low 90s pitcher now. And he doesn't have much swing and miss. He got three total swings and misses in his five and a third innings out of uh, how many pitches did he throw? He threw 73 pitches, got three swings and misses. He, he kept them off balance. He, you know, but there was also a lot of hard contact. It was, it was a rough game to watch. It was, you never felt comfortable. You never felt like, and the second inning is a good microcosm of that. Cardinals got runners on second and third with one out. Uh, it was it was a fluke. You know, Alec Burleson hit this little check swing, excuse me, double down the left field line to put runners at second and third. But second and third with one out, that's when you would really love to have a guy who has some swing and miss available. He doesn't. He got the out. He got a sack fly. Uh, and then the next guy got a base hit. So both of those guys score because Syndergaard didn't have the ability to get guys to swing and miss. What you need is either, uh, you know, a pop-up or a strike. Those are the two things you need with a runner on third and less than two outs. He doesn't have either of those in his repertoire right now, which means if he can keep guys off base, that's great. 
Uh, the Cardinals didn't even exploit his slow delivery. They didn't steal any bases on him for some reason. Uh, but in the in the grand scheme of things, Syndergaard doesn't have what it takes right now to get out of a jam unscathed most of the time. Sometimes he will. Everybody does sometimes. But most of the time, he's not going to get out of a jam unscathed. And with his slow delivery, creating so many jams, turning so many walks or singles into automatic doubles runner in scoring position, He's going to allow too many runs. Uh, after this game, his ERA sits at 632. Uh, yeah, he got his first win as a Dodger, but the fact is, at best right now, he's a passable fifth starter. At worst, he's worse than that. And the Dodgers, with their young pitching, obviously they've had injury issues. You know, Michael Grove is hurt. Ryan Pepio is still hurt. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is still coming back from injury. They're calling up Gavin Stone because they want to have a sixth starter this time through uh, because of everybody, you know, being a little bit overworked. Uh, Bobby Miller finally made his AAA debut for the season the other day and looked good. You know, Stone and, and uh, not Stone. Yeah, Stone and Miller are both knocking on the door. Pepio will be coming back. There's not going to be room for this version of Noah Syndergaard. And unless he really, really surprises me, and makes me a liar when I say he's not going to throw 97 or 100 this year. This this version of Noah Syndergaard won't last on the roster into August. Uh, the, the Dodgers have too many other better options and everybody's healthy. That Syndergaard, if everybody was healthy right now, Syndergaard would be at best the seventh best option and realistically more like the eighth or ninth. Uh, and, and that's going to come to pass if guys get healthy you know, may, maybe they keep having injuries here and there. And so Syndergaard survives in the rotation. That's not the ideal situation for the Dodgers. Ideal for the Dodgers will be guys get healthy enough and Syndergaard gets pushed out. And, you know, they signed him on a flyer. It's a one-year contract. Whether they trade him at the trade deadline or just release him or whatever, I just don't see Noah Syndergaard on this roster come August, let alone October. I'm glad he got his first win. I'm glad the offense showed up for him, but they're – the upside is no longer there. And when you sign a guy for an upside play and the upside is no longer there, a lot of the reason for signing him goes away. And once the guys are healthy, we will see that. I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk about the way the Dodgers scored on Sunday with a lot of productive outs and uh, some, some thoughts behind that. So thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please continue to keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A champ For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. I also want to remind you, that if you can't catch the game on TV today or any day, check it out on SiriusXM and the SXM app. All you got to do is go into the SXM, SS, SXM app and search Dodgers, and you can listen to the hometown broadcast live as it's happening. 
last topic today, the Dodgers scored six runs on Sunday. Only one of them scored on a hit. Uh, that was an RBI base hit by Chris Taylor. Other than that, they had uh, four RBI, no, three RBI groundouts, three, yeah, three RBI groundouts, a sack fly, and a wild pitch. That's how they scored their runs. <clears throat> Excuse me. The voice is starting to feel it. I hope this, uh, yeah, I hope this episode's going okay for you guys. Uh, I think my voice sounds better than it feels. Uh, still not quite back to normal, but we're getting through it. So yeah, they had some productive outs and, uh, a lot of people get really excited about productive outs. I do too. I like productive outs, but what I really liked about these productive outs, hold on guys, I'm going to clear my throat, see if I can power through for this, uh, this last little bit, please hold. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that feels a little bit better. Let's see what we can do. I like these productive outs because these were the kind of productive outs with upside. And, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. A lot of people, when they think of productive outs, they're talking about sacrifice bunts. I hate sacrifice bunts. It's no secret. Uh, if you've ever listened to me on the podcast, I hate sacrifice bunts in almost every situation, especially now that pitchers don't hit anymore. I don't like sacrifice bunts, you know, uh, Austin Barnes hitting, but even Austin Barnes, he, he got an RBI single in the only run of the game on Saturday, you know, major league hitters should be trying to get hits in major league games. Uh, the one time I like a sacrifice bunt is if it is the bottom of the ninth or the bottom of an extra inning and it's a tie game. So literally one run wins the game because a sacrifice bunt does increase your chances of scoring one run in an inning. Uh, most of the time, obviously not all sacrifice bunts are created equal, but uh, with the right hitter up in the right situation, if it's runner on first, nobody out or runner on second, nobody out uh, tie game, bottom of the ninth or extras, and you have a guy who can bunt up to bat and, you know, especially if he's a guy who can bunt and can't hit very well. I, I love a sack bunt there because it increases your chance of scoring one run and one run ends the game. Any other time, I don't like them because I don't think teams should play for one run. I think they should play for multiple runs in every inning, every chance. Uh, people talk about picket, picket fence offense. If you score one run every inning, you're scoring nine runs a game and you're going to win. Nobody scores one run every inning. It doesn't happen. And so that's not a realistic way of looking at it. The way to score nine runs in a game is to score two runs in one inning and three runs in another inning and two runs in another inning and then and a one-run inning. That's how you score nine runs in a game. Did that add up? Four, seven. I think I only got to eight. You get what I mean, though. Picket fence doesn't work. You need crooked numbers. And sacrifice bunts don't lead to crooked numbers. And that's where we get the other kinds of productive outs. There's the there's a runner on second and nobody out, and a guy gives himself up by hitting a ground ball to second base to move the runner over. Great. The Dodgers had one or two of those on Sunday, um, and I don't dislike those except the idea of giving himself up. I don't want you taking a weak swing just to hit the ball to second base. Now, one of those was by James Outman. Great. You got a lefty up there. James Outman went up there, and he tried to pull the ball hard somewhere. And But what he was trying to do was get a hit because a hit would have scored a run. Uh, instead, he got a ground out, good play by the second baseman and the first baseman. Outman grounds out, and it's kind of like, well, our fallback, fallback option was, well, at least it was a productive out. And that's what all these was, except for with the exception of David Peralta, his first RBI ground out. Uh, that one was clearly 
he he was trying to hit the ball in the middle of the field, seeing where the defense was playing. The the corners were in with the runner on third. The middle infielders were not in. So he knew if he can get the ball to the middle of the field, whether that's in the air for a sack fly or on the ground, he was going to get a run in. And so he was trying to do a productive out, which is great. With a runner on third, okay, that 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 works for me. The rest of them, though, Will Smith sacrifice fly. He comes up with bases loaded, rips a line drive right at the center fielder. Will Smith was not taking a sacrifice fly swing. Will Smith was taking a three-run double swing, and the worst-case scenario was, well, at least I got a sack fly. Just like when he came up with bases loaded against the Padres in the NLDS in game four last year, and at the time, the Dodgers were ahead, and he ripped a line drive right at Jerkson Profar in left field. It was a sack fly. If that ball had been you know, a few feet to the left or right, it would have cleared the bases, been a three-run double, and the Dodgers would have won that game and won the series. You know, it, But the upside of when you hit the ball hard, the upside is a hit or you know something really good. The downside is the productive out. And so what we saw on Sunday wasn't the Dodgers trying to make productive outs. It was them hitting the ball hard and ha- running into some bad luck. And when you hit the ball hard and get unlucky, good things can still happen like productive outs. And so productive outs are not the key to winning baseball. Hitting the ball hard, uh, and to, to be clear, hitting the ball, that's that's the other issue people have with, with not making productive outs. The, you know, Basically, people see a false dichotomy. Well, I'd rather have him ground out to second and move the runner over than just strike out, swinging for the fences. And, you know, I've talked about this recently on this show about there are other options for most hitters and and not for all hitters. You know, Uh, Chris Taylor, I don't believe Chris Taylor has the natural hitting ability to really differentiate. Chris Taylor goes up there and takes a Chris Taylor swing most at bats. And what we saw on Sunday, the one hit that did drive in a run was by Chris Taylor. He ripped a line drive and it scored a run. And, uh, you know, he had another hit in the game too. But Chris Taylor is going to strike out some. And sometimes it's going to be with runners in scoring position. And that won't make – his approach won't be any worse the next time he strikes out with a runner on third than it was when he ripped his RBI single or double or whatever it was today. Uh, Because it's the same Chris Taylor. And a a hitter's chances of being successful are always best when he's doing his best swing. And for Chris Taylor – he only has one swing. You know, Freddie Freeman has natural hitting ability. He's you know not he's not quite Tony Gwynn. He has more power than Tony Gwynn. Uh, not quite the back control of Tony Gwynn, but a similar type of hitter who can hit it to all fields. Chris Taylor's never going to be Tony, uh, Tony Gwynn or Freddie Freeman. Neither is Max Muncy. You know what they do? They hit the ball hard. Muncy, we saw the opposite. He hit the ball hard three times on Sunday and got out all three times. And that happens sometimes too. And his outs didn't happen to come with a runner on third, so they couldn't even be nice productive outs. But, you know, he hit a couple balls that if they had been runner on third less than two outs, they would have been sack flies. Uh, And, you know, it's just there's so much luck involved in this. And for me, while I loved the productive outs, I don't want anybody to start fetishizing them because productive outs are not the key to winning baseball. Productive hits are. You're going to do better when you hit the ball, get hits and have the productive out be the fallback option, worst case scenario, if that makes sense. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all that. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't have the fever anymore, but I'm still, you know, 
I, I've been down for a week, so maybe I'm rusty. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm right. Um, just don't call me late for dinner. Um, speaking of dinner, uh, I've lost uh, 22 pounds since the last time you guys saw me, which at my size is almost enough to notice. Uh, but yeah, that happens when you don't eat for a week. Uh, I have eaten very little because I can't swallow food or water right now. It's a battle to drink water and eating food is, is a losing battle most of the time. So that's fun. But my voice is mostly back. I'm back talking Dodgers with you guys. I'm not laying in bed, which I was for that whole Pirates series. So I'm just treating that whole series as a fever dream that didn't really happen because I am back. Happy to be back with you guys. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate Vince holding down the fort last week. And hopefully we'll get back a little bit to, to normal. I am still recovering. I have a doctor's appointment this afternoon that hopefully I can figure out why I've kind of plateaued in my recovery, but uh, we're going to do our best to keep talking Dodgers with you every day because it's what we love to do. So with that said, tomorrow we'll be talking about this series opener with, with the Phillies, which could include the return of Bryce Harper much sooner than expected from his Tommy John surgery. Uh, there's a good chance he will be playing for the Dodgers uh, either on Monday or Tuesday. And so, uh, we may have that to talk about. Uh, we Soon this week, we'll get to talk about Gavin Stone's debut. A lot of fun stuff coming up this week, so be sure to check out Locked on Dodgers every day. Uh, if you're not an everydayer, join the club. It's really easy. All you got to do is listen every day or watch every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube. And uh, wherever you're watching or listening right now, just be sure to subscribe and check us out every day. Uh, it's easy if you we try to make it uh, about the right length to listen to on your way to work or whatever and get it up in time most days for you to do that. So however you're listening or watching, please keep doing that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.